Welcome to the Talking Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Will Cheshire. And in this podcast, I speak with impact-driven founders and share their real-time stories about how their solution has a positive impact on society. This is a show for founders, investors, and all individuals looking for some positivity and optimism as you hear from people working hard to help better our society and our planet. You can expect to learn about some awesome new products and services in this show that will bring you more hope in our quest to solve some of society's biggest issues. Let's dive in to this week's episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. We're discussing the U.S. healthcare system in this episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast with a specific emphasis on our primary care system as I sit down with the co-founder of Vitel Health, Brittany Bussey. Vitel Health serves as a telehealth advisor and one-stop shop for physicians to empower and serve their patients at a high level. They provide industry knowledge, technology tools, and training to help physicians save time and focus more on their patients. Patients will also have the ability to be connected with a physician that has the time and resources to truly get to know them and their medical needs. For me, this is something that I think will be a big step forward in making healthcare work for more people. Physicians are constantly overworked and short on time, while patients are oftentimes running around seeing new doctors that give them different opinions. And I think empowering physicians with the tools and resources needed to save them time and allow them to focus on patient outcomes will be a very impactful solution for patients looking for a trusted medical advisor. I'm someone that would love to have a primary care doctor that knows me for the next 30 years to be an advisor to me for any future medical decisions that I need to make. And I think that Vitel Health is working to make that more of a possibility. So let's learn more in this episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast with Brittany Bussey of Vitel Health. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too, Ellen. Thanks. Brittany, this is a conversation I've been waiting to have because healthcare is something that I really haven't had a chance to explore too much on this podcast as well. And I think that there are a lot of issues in America and well, in the U.S. specifically within our healthcare program and what your solution provides, I think, is, is fantastic. So can you just give us a little bit of background kind of about yourself and then the solution that Vital Health is, is solving for, for the problem? So as you said, I'm a physician. I graduated from medical school from the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine in public health back in 2009. After that, I went into a residency training program, which is really common for physicians. Um, you take, you go to college, you go to medical school, then you go to a residency training program in your desired specialty. For me, that was surgery. Um, so I started training in surgery back in 2009 out here in California. And uh, several years into my training program, my health was really starting to decline. And I couldn't really figure out what was going on. I knew I was working long hours. I knew that the program was particularly abusive, um, both emotionally and physically, often asking us as residents to work well beyond the hours that were stated as acceptable from the ACGME. Um, but at the same time, that's what everyone was doing, right? And everybody kept going and pushing ahead. And I wanted to push ahead with everyone else. And my body just was saying, you can't do this anymore. And one day I was having some difficulty with my vision, which as a surgeon, you can imagine that's really scary. I went in to see a specialist about my vision and ended up getting a diagnosis of potential blindness if I didn't have an emergency surgery. 
So that kind of halted everything um, in my training and sent me off on a completely different path in healthcare. And I've practiced in a lot of different verticals. I've practiced in urgent care medicine. I'm sure many people here are familiar with going to an urgent care, if not practicing in one. Um, it's like a pop-up shop for medicine where you can come in and have your concerns addressed by someone who's not your regular doctor. Um, and also practicing in telemedicine, um, which became, again, really popular in the pandemic and something that I've been doing um, since 2016, actually. So throughout all of those different practice modalities, I came to realize that physicians just weren't being appreciated. And not only is you know, something called physician burnout on the rise. As many people have heard of burnout is a term that um, gets tossed around a lot. It generally means that you've you've worked really hard or you've been put in positions um, and asked too much and you have very little boundaries and, and your resources just run out, right? So your resources are out, you're exhausted, you cannot push forward anymore. And from a physician standpoint, like I said, a lot of this actually comes down to abuse within the system. And it's been documented that 90% of physicians are actually abused either by their medical system, by their superiors, by their peers, and by their patients. And so we knew that there just there needed to be a better way to connect patients with highly skilled and highly qualified physicians, one that really puts physician independence in the forefront um, and helps those physicians be happier because that really allows them to connect with patients on a much deeper level. I know most people probably have the experience of going into a healthcare system and feeling completely lost right? Like this person doesn't know me. They don't have time. They took 15 minutes to ask me a few questions about my complaints. And then they basically gave me a prescription and shuttled me off to somewhere else. So I think that the majority of people feel extremely dissatisfied with healthcare and the health of our communities is showing that they're suffering. And, and the physicians want to help. We went to medical school to help. But unfortunately, the healthcare systems and the insurance companies have devalued us to the point that that 15 minutes is all we have left, if that. Right. And a lot of questions to kind of come up with there yeah. as, as you. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of problems. You know, we, we talk about healthcare as like kind of an encompassing thing, but there are so many different kind of subsectors and services that go into it that have their own problems as well on that front. But, you know, the solution and being able to open up time for these physicians and allow them to kind of take back control and power is going to have a direct positive impact on the patients as well. So looking forward to kind of get into that too. But you, you mentioned a couple things that I kind of want to ask a little bit more in detail about. You talked about burnout rate and you talked about, you know, physicians, doctors, and whatever sector of health that they're practicing, uh, feeling burnt out and feeling exhausted and tired. Are there some rates and, and drop-offs of doctors and people in the healthcare sector that are workers that are to kind of declining in recent years? Or what does that kind of look like? So definitely, you know, there's always been about a 50% to 60% rate of burnout within the medical practice, especially among physicians. And burnout is actually defined as an occupational disease, right? So you cannot get burnout without it being caused in some way by your work. That's actually part of the, the definition of the syndrome. And the syndrome actually is composed of, like I said, exhaustion, but also disconnection, depersonalization. You start to lose touch with the people around you. And as you can 
expect that's especially detrimental in medicine, where your ability to care for people is based on human connection. So if you're feeling depersonalized and um, dissociated from those around you, you can't create those types of connections anymore. And last year alone, we actually lost 117,000 physicians from medicine, which is just an extremely staggering amount. And it's reported that probably by 2030 to 2035, we'll have a deficit of about 50,000 primary care physicians. So if you think it's hard to get in to see a primary care physician now, just wait until then, you know, because the primary care is just not valued by insurance companies, not valued by Congress. Anyone making the rules about reimbursement is placing the value on procedures, on interventions, on waiting till things get so bad that you end up in the emergency room or under the knife. And the primary care physicians cannot afford to stay in practice, like I said, under the the overwhelming burden of practice. And then at the decreasing rate of value, they simply are giving up. They want to go do other things that aren't practice medicine. And it's not because they don't care about people anymore. It's not because they decided they don't like medicine. They don't want to heal people. It's just not sustainable. They're not given the resources. They're not given, like you talked about, you know, they're kind of being bypassed for some other things. And, you know, I, and I don't know how much of that is due to, you know, a lot of the profits and in, in healthcare system or anything of that nature. But, you know, the one thing when it comes to primary physicians and, and whatnot, too, and my brother and I were having this conversation, it's difficult to find that one doctor. I think it would be great to have a doctor that stays with you for, you know, 30, 40 years, of course, you know, as long as they want to retire or work for, of course, right before you transfer over. But it becomes very difficult to kind to find that one doctor on that front as well. And so you alluded to it a little bit within the problems that we're facing and waiting until they can go under the knife and things of that nature as well. But I, I saw an alarming statistic one time, and this is going to lead me to the question, which is I think about 40 years ago, maybe 40, 50 years ago in the U.S., Americans averaged to spend about 16% of their income on food and 8% on healthcare. And now it's kind of reversed. 16% is on healthcare, 8% is on food. When do you think that this kind of mindset or or maybe it's always has been and you know i'm just not old enough to remember or rehearse with it when did this kind of change where we didn't put as much emphasis on prevention and having a physician that you can go to that knows you that can properly diagnose you and, and things and give you preventions and warnings when did this kind of change into a oh we just need to wait until the worst case scenario you need to go to urgent care we're not going to put any resources in our primary care physicians it really starts with managed care organizations um And like you said, the value, again, gets placed. This value is actually determined usually by Congress and by Medicare. So there's something called relative value unit. And relative value units determine how much a physician is paid. So 15 minutes of your time is going to be worth, you know, one or two relative value units, whereas uh, interventional procedure like a cardiac bypass surgery is going to be worth many, many, many more. So hospitals are going to put their resources into what produces more relative value units, right? Because they are making their money that way and their costs are pretty much set. Um, So they can always increase revenue by upping the units, but they can, you know, pretty much keep costs down. That's how a business operates, right? Business of healthcare focuses on money in and money out, not necessarily better outcomes for patients, better health for patients. 
And so the patients are making the same decision. You know, I remember when I was very young, um, my father had really good health insurance, like through his union, and we could go to any doctor anytime. And we all had our primary care doctor. You know, my family had the same pediatrician. My parents had the same internist. Um, and it wasn't associated with the hospital system. We went to a doctor in private practice. Now, you know, be dating myself a little bit, but this was in the 80s, <laughs> you know. And that doesn't really exist anymore because of physicians. It costs them about 2.5 times what it costs a hospital to run a private practice. And that's because of economy of scale. So what it would cost me to hire staff and to rent office space and to get all the equipment put together that I need and to get contracts with insurance companies and to get contracts with labs and x-ray and everything like that, they already have that built in um, because they have a large footprint. So you really need the economy and scale in order to be able to compete at that level. Like you said, what people need are primary care physicians. There have been studies that shown that the higher the density of primary care physicians in a given area, the better the health of that community. It's because a primary care physician is your first line of defense, your first health advocate, the person you go to not just for the preventative care, but also when things maybe start to go wrong and you're lost in the healthcare system, they can help direct you. They can help guide you because their interest is in you, not in the profits of a large healthcare system. So it's really important to maintain the independence of practice for these physicians so that they can continue to, to be with people, like you said, for the long term. Your primary physician used to know your brother's name. You know, you should know your family and those social determinants of health, where you live, what you eat, uh, what your stress factors are, are absolutely more important, if not just as important as those numbers that they take when you come in as your vital signs, because those vital signs come from somewhere. They're not just coming out of thin air. Exactly. I mean, you're getting actual evidence and numbers mm -hmm. and things that can, can move you forward with on that front too. And to me, it seems like they're the two biggest people kind of suffering from this seem to be number one, the physicians, because the physicians are trying to do their job. They have great intentions and they really want to get out there. And the primary care physicians are trying to take care of community and locals. You know, there's small towns you see and stuff like that, where everybody kind of has that local doctor on that front, but then you get into a city or something and it gets a lot more difficult, things of that nature. And number two, it seems like if the primary care physician is not properly resourced, and then there's going to be a lot of negative impacts on the patients as well for their overall health. And to me, that seems to be a glaring problem because you're talking about health. And without health, a human is, is, is quite literally nothing on that front as well. And so that leads me to want to talk about your solution, because what you're doing is you are empowering these uh, primary care physicians, which then is going to directly impact the health and the well-being of the people within that primary care physicians community and things of that nature as well. So, Brittany, if you could just kind of describe to us a little bit and tell us exactly what Vital Health does and how that really empowers these primary care physicians and, and things of that nature as well, and, and why that solution is just such a great, great option to kind of solve this problem. This week's book recommendation is When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. This memoir focuses on the story of a neurosurgeon who quickly becomes the patient after he is diagnosed with stage four metastatic lung cancer 
It's a memoir that dives into his life and his ability to come to terms with his diagnosis and the eventual terminal prognosis that he receives. This is a book that really makes you think about cancer treatment and also how we view our lives with a reminder of how fragile they really are. Kalanithi does a wonderful job at writing through his emotions and engaging the reader to reflect on their own lives and how they might approach an unfortunate diagnosis. I recommend it to everyone interested in thought-provoking reads as it's been a favorite of mine. So let's dive back into our discussion about empowering primary care physicians with Brittany Bussey of Vital Health. So we founded Vital Health back in 2020, um, right when the pandemic was kicking off. Uh, again, you know, I was practicing at this point uh, virtually in telemedicine and as you kind of move down that chain that I was describing my, my own progression, right, surgeon to urgent care physician to telehealth physician, you realize that you as a person are being commoditized. Like you are not necessarily a valued expert anymore um, or a knowledge worker or somebody who put a lot of time and effort and money into building this knowledge base and this expertise. You're simply a person they pay by the hour or by salary to do as much work as they can possibly get you to do at their little RVU factory. And that leads to a lot of work, administrative work, very short time with patients, very little connection, and just this complete loss of passion and loss of energy on the part of the physician. And I said, you know what, this isn't right. Why does every single person want to employ the doctors, right? Like there's even companies out there, staffing companies that are making money off of buying and selling physician employees, right? Like, like, like your chattel, you know, they're like, hey, I can sell you a full-time physician or maybe a part-time one. Or how about one for gig work? Oh yeah, we want 10%. And the physicians aren't able to ask for their value, aren't able to set the price, aren't able to determine any of that. So we founded Vital Health on the premise that the physicians are valuable, that their knowledge is valuable, that their desire to help people is valuable, and that the patients would do better if the physicians could practice independently. And as I stated before, that's really expensive because independent practices don't have economy of scale. But that's where an idea comes into play that maybe people are familiar with, which is called a cooperative. So people oftentimes join a cooperative and pay a membership fee to have access to things that they wouldn't normally have access to as an individual or they would have access to at a higher price. So when you're in a facilitated network or cooperative, everybody pays a smaller portion and the cooperative takes care of those things that would cause you extreme overhead. So the Vital Health model is to provide physicians with access to technology um, that has been properly screened and properly vetted by physicians and or created by physicians to actually solve the problems that physicians are concerned with, right? So like too much administrative work, too many clicks on their EMR. Um, those types of things are built by technologists. We focus on things that are built by physicians that actually improve physician life and physician workflow. We've then taken these pre-vetted technologies and put them together into one platform and one that allows physicians to not only practice 
um, visits to give patients interventional care, but to practice monitoring them on a daily basis. So again, we've added in technology for remote patient monitoring, remote health monitoring, where you can take your vital signs on a daily basis. So rather than that one-time appointment where you're really nervous or you had too many cups of coffee and your physician thinks your blood pressure is through the roof, now they're getting a better idea of what your blood pressure looks like on a daily basis. And we can partner that with health coaching so that patients are actually um, meeting with someone on a regular basis to look at those underlying factors, those social determinants of health, someone in their community, someone who knows what their you know, pain points are, what those things are that are driving these poor health outcomes so that people can make real measurable improvement in their life. And like I said, all this at a fraction of a cost because we're employing a larger scale model and buttressing it with technologies that can be applied you know, across geographies. You don't have to be constrained anymore to your one health clinic location and to the patients that you can attract from that small local community. You can attract patients who have the same values of as you do from many different types of communities. So it's really a focus now, you know, they called it value-based care. We're talking about values-based care at Vital Health. Values based. I like that. Adding it to it on that front. And there's so many good points there. You know, I have my grandfather uh, for the longest time. He lives in Florida in the in Boca Raton. He was traveling to Mexico because he lived over in Monterrey in Mexico for a long time. And he would travel there for his doctor. He would literally go and travel, you know, all the way to Mexico just so he can meet his doctor because there he was having a physician that he could regularly see and understood his health. And the telehealth thing is, is really fascinating because you mentioned a couple things that you could do a weekly telehealth thing or whatever it might be on that front too. Just explain to the listeners, if you will, a little bit more about what that value is to be able to kind of speak to a physician on a regular basis and tell them, hey, like you said, it doesn't have to be within your area anymore. You could do it with somebody. If you live in LA, you could do it with someone in Boston or whatever, but the values are aligned. But how is telehealth such a great and impactful way for physicians to connect with patients? And then how can they kind of use that to kind of build that relationship and ensure that it's something that they're going to get health benefits on later on or preventions and things of that nature as well? Yeah. So what we found with telehealth is like you said, we can do a telehealth visit pretty much anytime, anywhere. And telehealth itself encompasses a lot of different modalities. So, you know, when you see a doctor in person or face-to-face over a video conference, that would be telemedicine, um, which would be synchronous. So it's happening in real time, just like we're recording right now. We're talking to each other and we're having back and forth conversation. Telehealth can be not just a video component, but even messaging with your doctor. It can be a quick telephone conversation with your doctor. Um, It can be asynchronous, which means you upload things to your secure platform for your physician to review later or your physician's team. So we were talking about uh, devices that can monitor your blood pressure in real time. And you're able to get that data over a longer period in between visits. And that's called asynchronous telehealth. So someone's collecting all of this data monitoring it, looking for any spikes, anything that's unhealthy, or even downtrending, right? So you're you're working with this health coach, and now your blood pressure starts to come down. You don't want to have to wait for your next visit six months from now 
to get off of your medication, you could, you know, pass out in that time if your blood pressure gets too low. So somebody is there to monitor you to make sure that you're on the right track with your health at all times. So that's where telehealth can be really helpful. The other important thing, like you said, about telehealth is it's not constrained by geography. So physicians can practice the type of medicine that they're passionate about, that they have a large, broad base of knowledge or expertise in. And that is really important, you know, when it comes to access to specialists, not just primary care, is that people can actually get better access to specialty care um, when using a telehealth-based system. But they can also get access to people who share the same values as them. It's very important, as we've seen in our political landscape, that you may be living in a place that has very different values than you do. And, you know, that choice that you made to live there maybe wasn't even your choice. Maybe you live there for work. Um, and you still need access to a primary care physician who understands your needs and your values. And so being able to find that person, to connect with that person, and have that person be your health champion, your health advocate, and provide you with access to the care that you need when you need it is really important. Because like I said, how many times have anyone ended up in a hospital even like I said, myself being a doctor, when I was diagnosed um, with my vision concern and needing surgery, I didn't have anyone else to talk to. I only had that one doctor who was giving me the diagnosis and telling me, this is what we're going to do. I wasn't given any options. Um, I was frankly very scared. I was 29 years old and my whole life, my whole career depended on my eyesight. And I know many people find themselves in that similar situation where a doctor is telling them something and they simply don't know the right questions to ask. And it could be the right thing for them, but they don't know that, right? Like, I'm not just saying that you should have an extra doctor around so they can question every other doctor's decisions. That's not it. When, when I was giving birth to my son, I was very overwhelmed with a lot of the medical procedures that were being done. Again, that wasn't my expertise. I'm not an OBGYN. So someone would bring an option to me and I didn't really know what it was. And my family practice physician, my primary care physician would get on the phone with me and say, this is what it is. <laughs> this is why they want to do it. This is how I feel about it. What do you think? You know, and then I could actually think about it instead of being in that emotional state where I'm completely overwhelmed and you have these three people you've never seen before who are hovering over you waiting for your answer. Like you need that person in your corner, that person that you trust, and that person could be available to you via telephone or FaceTime in those situations, not just face-to-face -face and in person. That's something I feel like that in the, the U.S.'s healthcare system right now is just completely absent. I mean, it, it, you get thrown into it. Uh, really, anything medical, you go into the hospital, you, had a, you know, my grandmother was just into the hospital for a heart problem, had different doctors coming in, didn't know what any of the words mean, right? You know, and, and the nurses and the doctors, you know, they're overworked and they're trying to just kind of get information in and out and you have nobody to kind of call and nobody trusted to, to kind of bounce these ideas off of except for your immediate family members. And let's be honest, most of us immediate family members are not in the healthcare field. And even if you are, it might be especially that you're not 
familiar with on that front as well. So, Brittany, I, I want to ask more a little bit about these physicians as well, because I know that obviously this platform is for physicians. It's empowering them in the primary care. You mentioned they have a lot of admin tasks, things of that nature as well, that obviously make it difficult for them to want to go do their own practice and focus on their uh, on their own medical practice and things of that nature too. I'd love to hear some of the feedback that you're getting from some of these physicians or the ideas or whatever when you bring it up to them on that front, because I feel like to them, it, maybe it might be kind of reinvigorating, if you will, because sometimes I, based on what you've been saying, it feels like sometimes the system, for lack of a better phrase, just kind of kicks you while you're down yeah. and then makes it difficult to want to come back and resulting in the burnout. I mean, I imagine you probably get some pretty good reinvigorated doctors and whatnot from this front uh, when you bring up this idea and say, hey, I can help you out. I think, you know, there's very common ones. Like many physicians talk about death by a thousand clicks when you're talking about the EMRs, because so many of them, like I said, were built by technologists and following protocols and procedures. So now you're clicking through tabs just to get to entering actual patient care data, right? It's like basically when you as a, as a consumer go to a website to buy something and now you have to exit out of this chat bubble. We'll sign up for our newsletter to get 30% off. Like I didn't want to, or I already have, you know, like the system is not smart enough to know that you've already been here before, right? And and it's annoying. Like the more things you have to click through, you know, there's like, it depends, how badly do you want it, the thing that you're trying to get to? Well, in the doctor's case, they have no choice, right? They have to get to the documentation section of their electronic medical record. They cannot fail to document a note. And if they do, that's gonna cause a lot of issues. So they have to go through these tasks. They have to say, oh, the patient last had their flu shot, uh, you know, a year ago. No, they don't want another flu shot right now. Or, you know, it's not flu season. Why is this even popping up? And there's a lot of these little things that happen in electronic health records that just make the physician's job very tedious. So I may have only 30 minutes on my schedule booked aside for a patient, but during that time, I have to spend 10 minutes or more on the EMR. Well, that cuts my patient time down to 20 minutes. And that potentially delays me from seeing the next person if I can't get it and keeps me after hours. Or I go home with a pile of documentation to do. So when my day isn't over until I've documented on every single patient that I saw that day. And if it was an especially busy day where I gave an extra 5, 10 minutes to a patient who needed me then my documentation burden is carried over to later in the day. But what physicians don't know or they're not you know, given access to at healthcare systems is you know, equipment or technologies that make that so much easier, right? Like there is access to you know, AI-driven dictation services. There is access to simple-to-use EHRs that just require documentation and don't make you click through 10,000 pages to get to where you need to go. It makes things simple for physicians. And at Vital Health, that's what we're looking for. My partner and co-founder is a medical technologist and a technologist. You know, he can look at these technologies and he can say, this looks like great technology. And I can look at it from a clinician or physician standpoint and say, and it's usable. And it makes our life easier. And most places can't do that, right? When electronic medical record was first introduced and then there was the mandate to start using it, 
the hospital systems really scrambled and they all went for the same out-of-the-box product for the most part, or one of two, Epic or Cerner. Neither of these products are built by physicians. Neither of them really give a crap about physician workflow. And the training that the physicians received was all in one giant dump. And then you had a few people scattered around your hospital called super users who were supposed to help you whenever you had a technology issue. And good luck getting them to actually help you at any point, right? We've all had that issue of calling for support or service and like having it be a total fail. And so people go, well, why would you start a telehealth company or a digital health company for physicians? Physicians hate technology. Physicians don't hate technology. Physicians hate being overburdened with administrative tasks. They hate not feeling supported and they hate not feeling resourced just like anybody else, right? If somebody gave you a new piece of technology, said, here you go, the training's online, and then walked away, you wouldn't want to use that technology either. You know, like physicians are just people, and they're very, very, very busy people with a very specific skill set. So the technology needs to empower them It needs to enable them to practice their skill set, and it needs to otherwise be invisible. The dream team, Mm -hmm. the technologist with you, the co-founder, then you yourself can figure out if it's usable right there. That's a fantastic one as well, because it's like it was like what you said, no matter what your profession is. You know, my mom is a medical coder, the, the nearby hospital here, and she works, you know, obviously has to do a lot of that documentation and things of that nature as well. And she complains all the time about the, oh, we just created the, the, we got launched in this new system, but nobody knows how to use it. And it's actually taking us more time than it did before. And so it's like, well, why did we even switch this new system? And it's just a a disaster on that front. And, you know, it takes away a lot of key times. And we're talking about health and medicine here, which is incredibly important. So I think it's great that you're allowing these physicians to get these tools and these technologies that are going to work for them. And best part of it is they're not going to really need to think too much about it as well, which I think is really important. Brittany, I want to go back and ask you a little bit about some patients and telehealth and go back to that conversation just briefly because there was a a question I wanted to ask you that uh, I think the listeners would be really interested to know. You talked a lot about values and finding a a primary care physician that aligns with your values and things of that nature as well because this is somebody that you're going to be trusting with um, to help guide you and to help, you know, make some really potentially important decisions about your health on that front. What types of tips uh, would you suggest for people to kind of look for in primary care physicians to kind of align with those values and, and you know, make sure that this is going to be someone that you feel comfortable with? You know, I, I envision it as more of like a better version of a dating site, right? Like you Mm. put in your values, the physician puts in their values and the algorithm actually works to match you with the people that share your values and can provide care to you, right? So maybe you're an avid skier who really like wants to live a vegan lifestyle. Well, you don't want to be matched with a doctor who's like all about keto and bodybuilding, (laughs) right? Like that's not a good, because they're not going to understand where you're coming from. They're going to have their own views on, on what, what is better health. And if your views and values aren't aligned, then you're not going to listen to that person. And frankly, they're probably not listening to you either. So that's where you have the disconnect, right? Where patients say, oh, no doctor has ever listened to me. No doctor focuses on my mental health. Well, like I said, doctors not only don't have the time, they're just not being matched to patients in that way. 
you're walking into the health system with your new health insurance and the health insurance says you belong to this health system. You need a PCP. This guy has spots on his schedule. You go there, you know, and you're just a puzzle piece, just like the doctor is. And nobody is really looking at what are those things that actually make health better? What connects people to each other in the same tribe? And, and using the tribe analogy can be really helpful when you talk about people who share the same values because they're going to build each other up. They're going to work towards the same goal. And in this case, the goal is your health, better health for you and for everybody. So we really want to make that a more personalized experience, allow patients to you know, interview doctors. I think that's a really important thing that you should be able to do. Um, it's not just like, well, this is the doctor they assigned me to. So I guess this is the person that I'm going to see, you know, for my 30 minute physical once a year, if you're lucky and you're a healthy person, you know, um, I think people don't feel like they have options and they do. There's so many doctors out there and, and the doctors want to see you thrive and they want to be happy and healthy themselves. And, and healthy patients make doctors happy, right? That's what we went into medicine to do is to help people. So if we could help you be healthier, then that would make us happier as well. Um, so it's really a, a feedback loop where happy physicians have healthy patients, happy, healthy patients create healthy happy physicians and back. Right. Love it. I love that. It's fantastic. Really empowering to physicians, which then empowers the patients. And it's just that chain reaction of an improvement uh, with the kind of our healthcare system and, and on that front as well. So within that platform, within the Vital Health platform and, you know, the physicians getting the opportunity to kind of join and, and things of that nature as well. Uh, just talk to us a little bit about some of those options. I, I think mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, you have like membership programs and things of that nature as well. So what does that look like to, to kind of get going with the platform? Yeah. So currently we are just a, a platform for physicians. We don't have patient facing services mm -hmm. yet, but that is coming um, in the near future. But for the physicians who are looking to start their own independent practice, as I stated, it's, it's based on a cooperative. Um, and we're a digital um, only operation right now. So a physician can join for either $2.95 a month or $4.95 a month, depending on um, their level of need. So if you are running a general health practice, you're a primary care doctor, and you just need a platform to perform your um, telehealth visits and a place to document those visits and help with some billing um, issues, as well as um, we help find medical assistance for you, remote medical assistance, again, taking to unload that burden of work off of the physician, then that would be our $2.95 a month plan. For physicians who are either specialists or who want to get into remote patient monitoring, um, which again is, a, is not only great for patients, but also makes money for physicians, um, along with the health coaching, and revenue cycle management, that would be our $4.95 a month model. Awesome. That's right. So if you're listening out there and you're a physician or you know somebody that's a primary care physician or anything of that nature as well, tell them to check out Vitel Health and uh, they can take a little bit more power into their own hands with you will, if you will, with all this technology and great uh, services and tools that you're providing uh, for them through that on that front as well. So I think that that's really, really, really impactful and powerful there on that front. And uh, Brittany, uh, as well, I'd, I'd be curious to just kind of 
a little bit off basis from the actual platform in and of itself, but more about yourself here. Uh, what's some of the things that you have learned the most uh, throughout your kind of founder's journey in, in creating Vital Health and, and what you have and what you've learned about yourself and maybe what you've learned about the company and being the founder and being in more medicine and, and all that type of stuff? I want to take a quick time out to dive a little bit deeper into some statistics regarding the outlook in the future of the profession of primary care physicians. So the primary care physician uh, profession, according to the U.S. Labor and Bureau statistics, is expected to grow between 2021 to 2031 at just a 3% pace. That is much slower than average. And while that growth is expected to be slower than average, the demand is expected to be higher than average. By 2025, the total demand for physicians is expected to grow by 17%, with the vast majority of this resulting from the population aging. So on that front, it means that the demand is going to be outrunning the supply. And that's why empowering these primary care physicians is going to be so important into the future as well. So it's one of those things that I think Vital Health is one of the best solutions that we can have because primary care physicians is a field that we all need. It is the backbone, the structure of our healthcare system on that front. So I wanted to just share a couple of these facts so you could get a good idea of that shortage, that supply and demand, and what it looks like. It is not pretty for the outlook of people wanting to become primary care physicians, yet our demand is only going to continue to grow, especially as our population continues to age. So let's go back into talking about a solution to this problem with the co-founder of Vital Health, Ms. Brittany Bussey, here on the Talking Solutions podcast. I think that's really important that that we look at the delivery of health a lot differently, right? I think where the money is going right now, um, not just like I said, the the insurance money, but also the the venture capital money, the private equity money. That money is going into to further enslaving doctors in different platforms, and it's further fragmenting health. So now people are being offered a healthcare platform for your headaches and a healthcare platform for your mental health and a healthcare platform for your, you know, women's health. And all of those things are actually better managed by somebody who knows your overall health picture, but consumers are being told they should go here if they have a bowel issue and here if they have a UTI and, and everybody thinks, oh, this is the future of healthcare, you know, commoditization and fragmentation. And we had to look at that really differently. You said from a physician standpoint, what does that do to the physician? What does that do to the person who is delivering health? You know, it, does, it certainly doesn't make them feel enlivened or any happier. And just knowing myself and my own journey um, and how it felt to work within that system I, I quickly see the whole thing falling apart. And leadership has to understand that without physicians, there is no healthcare, right? Like you cannot have a healthcare system that completely cuts out physicians. We will not be replaced by computers, won't be replaced by an AI bot, or even by a nurse. 
You know, you have to have that primary care physician at the center to advocate for people and their health. And that's really what we've we've put all of our, our expertise and, and passion into is helping those physicians so that they can help people. And I guess what we learned, you know, so far along the way, we've been at this for about two years, is that you just have to listen, right? I think that is the problem is that these current things like Amazon Care or Walmart or all of these things that are being instituted in medicine, even the large healthcare systems, the physicians are screaming out and nobody's listening. Like they're not giving us a seat at the table and they're going to be very surprised when all of the physicians just walk away. So I think that that it's important to listen. We're here to listen. We're here to learn from the physicians that we serve because healthcare should be a service industry not a money-making industry. And I believe if you talk to the physicians, they would tell you that that they are here to be in service to patients. And so we're here to be in service to those service workers. Fantastic. Love it. And, you know, it's definitely trying to, again, if you can empower the physicians and make their lives easier, make them feel respected and make them feel, you know, appreciated as well, that's only going to be seen through their service to the patients as well. So I think it's really, really, really fantastic on that front. Um, Brittany, can you share anything briefly about some uh, plans for the future for Vital Health? Uh, you mentioned earlier about trying to create the, get the patients on there and things of that nature as well, but can you share some things that you're working on? I think, you know, the most important thing we're working right now is just to build our community. So to find the physicians, to bring them on board, um, to start chatting and networking with each other um, so that we can really build the future of medicine together rather than us building it and inviting you to come. So that's really what we're looking forward to is more discussion, more collaboration with other partners. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we, we look to work with other physician-owned, physician-founded um, companies so that we can bring all of these solutions together in, in a way that makes sense. Awesome. And how can people help out? How can people help out to, to spread that mission, to kind of create some brand awareness, if you will, and, and to, uh, you know, make sure that these physicians are hearing about your wonderful solution? I, I imagine maybe some social media websites. Yeah. Well, well, right now I'm just on LinkedIn. So we have Vital Health on LinkedIn, social media, you know, coming soon. <laughs> um, we do have webinars for physicians. Um, you can go to www.vitalhealth.com and sign up um, if you are a physician just by clicking the join for free. We also have services for employers um, who are looking to, to join up um, our network so that we can offer our, our independent physician services to their employees. So if you're an employer, even a small business, um, looking for better care for your employees and an alternative to big healthcare, then definitely check out Vital Health. Yes, absolutely. I know there's some business owners listening right now. So if that's the case and you're getting to that level where you need to start thinking about healthcare and things of that nature as well, definitely reach out to Dr. Brittany Bussey. So anything else that you would like to add that we may have missed uh, on the show that you feel is valuable for the listeners to hear? No, I think everything is great and I look forward to hearing from all of you. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed speaking with you today and, and learning more about Vital Health and the platform that it has and the tools that you're using to kind of bring the power back into the hands of primary care physicians. I, I know we've talked prior to this as well, and I can't stress enough how much I think primary care physicians are are really important to the overall health ecosystem of uh, society in general. So thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing your great solution. Thank you so much for having me, William. You have a great day. You too. That's Dr. Brittany Bussey, uh, the 
the co-founder of Vital Health, joining us here on this episode of the Talk and Solutions podcast. Again, you can find out more information by checking out their website at vitelhealth.com. Vitel, that's V-I-T-E-L health.com. And then you can also connect over on LinkedIn uh, as well on that front. So be sure to kind of spread that solution. I highly encourage you as well to, if you aren't super familiar with the topic, we could have talked for several more hours about health care as a system and you know what's wrong with it and what things are good about it and things of that nature. But I highly recommend kind of learning a little bit more about some of the benefits that you can have with a primary care physician and understanding the regular uh, checkups and things of that nature as well for so someone can kind of help you make those uh, healthcare t- decisions. Nobody wants to be in that position where you're in and needing care, but unfortunately it is a reality and it will happen. And if you can have someone you can trust with you, that is always going to be very, very helpful on that front. So that's going to wrap up this edition of the Talking Solutions, a podcast. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, I'd appreciate it. If you dropped a review, hit that subscribe button to hear more great solutions to societal problems through great founders like Brittany here and more on that front. So hope everybody enjoys the rest of their week until the next episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Talking Solutions podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode and check out all of our guests on our website at cheshtech.com. That's C-H-E-S-H-T-E-C-H.com to learn more as we continue our mission of supporting impact-driven founders. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Talkin' Solutions Podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Talkin' Solutions. If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate a review and a recommendation to a friend as we focus on highlighting these great founders and individuals providing solutions to societal problems and bringing optimism into the world.